Jesus performed miracles while he was here on earth. He healed people from all sorts of diseases. He cast out demons, made the blind to see and the lame to walk, and even raised a couple people from the dead. Besides God's mighty power to just speak something or to touch someone and they are healed, or that he has compassion for his children, what do we learn from the miracle accounts listed in scripture? And how can they help us today? With the three miracles of Jesus that we're going to look at, we're going to learn what our heart attitude is to be when we go to the Lord in prayer. What kind of expectations are we to have from our prayers? And what should our response to answered prayers look like? Join me as we chat about all of this today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting to do life God's way but are unsure how or what that even looks like? Do you sometimes fear that you're doing this whole wife and mom thing all wrong and want to know how to do it right? Or do you want to stop worrying all the time and learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Bible study teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to find biblical answers to life's challenging questions in His Word, to know what His promises are for you, how to apply them to your life, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day, and follow the amazing plan that God has for you, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. The three miracles of Jesus that we're going to read about are found in the beginning of chapter 8 of the book of Matthew. In this chapter, We find that Jesus has just come down from the mountain where he has preached the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, then I highly recommend that you go sometime and read Matthew 5 through 7. It is Jesus's teaching on how to do life God's way, which is very different from what the Pharisees were teaching at the time and different from what our society would teach us today. The first three miracles written in the book of Matthew give us great insight on how to come to the Lord in prayer, what our expectations of those prayers are to be, and what our response to God ought to be. So let me start by reading Matthew 8, 1 through 17, and then we'll go through the miracles individually to see what each one of them teaches us. When he came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him, and then a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Then when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him, saying, Lord, My servant is lying home, sick with paralysis and terribly tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, 
I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he was amazed and said to those who followed, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will dine with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and served him. When the evening came, they brought to him many who were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirits of with his word and healed all who were sick, to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we read at the beginning of verse 1 of chapter 8 that when he came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him. And as I mentioned, he has just done the Sermon on the Mount. So all these people have been up on this mountain and listening and amazed at what he has been teaching them. And now as he's come down from the mountain, this large crowd has followed him. And they're all around him as he comes down. And we read in Matthew 2 that then a leper came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this leper doing this, particularly at this time, is nothing short of incredible and bold because as a leper, he would be an outcast. People would want to stay away from him. He would have to yell out to say that he was unclean and people would stay away and certainly not touch him or come near him because leprosy was something that was not curable at that time. It was very apparent on the skin. It was something everybody could see. The skin became scaly. His hair would turn white where, where it had affected his skin and then also the tissue on his body would actually be like eaten away and he would even lose like your bones, your fingers, some of the other outer extremities of your body. So it was a very, very terrible thing to have and very lonely outcast existence. And yet from this large crowd, he comes up to the Lord and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So from this large crowd, the scene narrows down to just Jesus and this one man. Jesus did not view this whole crowd as the masses, as all these people who are following him, but as individuals, as people who are his children and following him and wanting to learn from him. And then he saw this one man crying out for help. So what was the heart attitude of this leper when he came to Jesus? Well, first, he came boldly. I mean, even though he was an outcast, nobody wanted to be around him. He is not timid or shy, but boldly comes comes up and proclaims to the Lord that if he is willing, he can make him clean. And then he also came to Jesus reverently, not proudly, 
but with a heart of worship, and he refers to Jesus as Lord, showing his reverence for who Jesus is. And then he came to Jesus submissively, not demanding that Jesus would heal him, but says, if you are willing, and not that he has doubt about Jesus's power, but also doesn't assume that it's within Jesus's will to heal him and to make him well. As we see from Paul and from living this life that we live, prayers are not always answered the way that we want them to, and we are not always healed of the afflictions and the ailments that we have. In 2 Corinthians, Paul states that he has some kind of an infirmity and that he refers to it as a thorn in his flesh and that it torments him and he asks the Lord to take it away. So look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 6 through 9. For if I desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But now I resist, lest anyone should think of me above that which he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, lest I be exalted above measure. I asked the Lord three times that this thing might depart from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we don't know what this thorn was that Paul had, but we do know that it had a purpose. It had a purpose to help him to not be boastful and not be exalted above measure so that he would continually depend on God in his weakness. This also shows us that God is more concerned with our character and with the condition of our heart than with making our life easy or with giving us everything that we've asked for. It's the same thing like what we do with our own children. We say no to them sometimes because that's what's best for them. It's not what they want because they want the easy way out or they want that thing that they see in front of them. But we know as parents that that's not what's best for them. And God does the same thing with us. The leper also came to Jesus trustingly. He says, you can make me clean. Not if you can, or as a question, can you, but you can make me clean. He trusts that Jesus has the power to do this miraculous thing. This is a disease that did not have a cure at this time, but this man may have heard of instances in the past in the Old Testament stories of where those who were lepers were healed by God. So he may have known these things. He may not have known these things. We don't know. But he did come to the Lord, trusting in the fact that the Lord could clean him and heal him if that's what God wanted to do. So he did come trusting in his power to do this. And then look at what Jesus does. In Matthew 8, 3 through 4, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus reached out and touched him. He could have just spoken a word and not touched him at all. We've, we know that the Lord can speak things and make it happen. So he didn't have to touch him, but he did. 
He showed compassion and care, and he touched this man who has probably not been touched in years to heal him. It's just, it's amazing to think of God's love and compassion in that. Instantly, all the rotted flesh was healed. The skin was smooth and not scaly anymore. He wasn't missing any body parts anymore. They were all been restored. His hair was no longer white in places. And all of this, it didn't happen over time. It happened in an instant. He had come to Jesus in total submission, completely trusting in who Jesus is, the power that he has, and his in his discernment, and he was healed. Jesus instructs him not to tell anyone, but to follow the Levitical law by going and telling the priest and then giving the offering that was associated with being healed as a leper. The second miracle starts in verse five, and it says, and when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home sick with paralysis, terribly tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go and he goes, and to another come and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. So this man was a Roman, so he was a Gentile. And the Jews didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. They hated them and hated the Roman soldiers even more because of their oppression and their control and their ridicule. He was also a centurion, which means he was a commander of at least a hundred soldiers. And they would have been elite soldiers like what we have today in our Navy SEALs. He doesn't come for healing for himself, but for a servant who is sick, paralyzed, and terribly tormented. We see two great qualities in this man. The first being that even though he is this commander, he is humble. Even though he is most likely a proud man in being a commander and leading these other people, he's probably has money, he's probably very self-sufficient, and he has the power to rule over others, and yet he comes to Jesus in a humble manner. He calls him Lord and says, I am not worthy that you should even step foot in my house. He had a great deal of respect and reverence for the Lord. And he also comes with a great deal of faith, so much so that Jesus is amazed and admires this centurion because of his faith and says that it is more than he has found in all of Israel and that there is no need for Jesus to come to his house because he knows that if Jesus just says the word, his servant will be healed. And listen to Jesus's response. When Jesus heard it, he was amazed and said to those who followed, Truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will dine with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed from that very moment. This is a huge amount of faith to know that Jesus has the power to say something and it is done. And yet we read several accounts in scripture where this happened. The whole miracle of creation, it happened in the miracles in the book of Exodus, 
and Jesus calmed the sea or he drove demons from the swine. Our God has the power to speak his will and it happens. And Jesus tells the centurion, so it will be done just as you have believed. Jesus points out that this Roman Gentile had more faith than the religious leaders of that day. And the sons of the kingdom who would be thrown into outer darkness, those are people who are born of the Jews. And some think that, you know, just because I'm born a Jew, I'm a shoo-in. I'm going to be with the Lord. And that's not the case. We have to have that faith in him. We have to have that belief of who he is and that he has died on the cross for our sins. The third miracle is a little different in that the person didn't ask for healing. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. He touched her and the fever left her and she rose and served them. When the evening came, they brought out to him many who were possessed with demons and cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all who were sick to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. And so that was the last part of Matthew that we read. So where's this woman's faith? I mean, why doesn't she ask for Jesus to heal her? We don't know why exactly. We can only speculate that maybe she was too sick. Maybe she was sleeping or the fever was too high and she wasn't able to be able to ask for the Lord to heal her. In those days, women were thought of as lowly and somewhat outcast. They were treated as second-class citizens and didn't have the same rights as men. So it's very real possibility that she would have thought that it wasn't in her place to speak to Jesus and to ask for healing. Scripture doesn't tell us, but what we do know is that Jesus saw the need of this woman, that he had compassion for her, and with a mere touch, she was completely restored to the point where she immediately got up and was willing and able to serve the Lord and those who were with him. This is one of several times that Jesus begins to change the stigma towards women and shows that he has come to heal and save everyone. Many people in our world feel that they're lost and that no one cares for them and that they are outcast. But Jesus is the answer and he shows us in these three miracles The leper, the Gentile, and the woman were all people that the current society didn't accept in their inner circle. They wouldn't have been the popular people. They were more of the outcast. And yet Jesus did not concern himself with what society thought, with what other people were thinking. His only concern was the compassion that he had for them and that he was there to save and heal the world. We read too that there were many who came to Jesus and he cast out spirits with his word and he healed all who were sick. The power and compassion that is behind that statement is nothing short of amazing. That with only his word, Jesus overcame the power of the enemy and to cast out demons. He did not heal just some or those that he could or those that he had time for, but he healed them all all who were sick and needed him. We also want to note this woman's response. She immediately got up and began to serve, most likely with a heart of gratitude. She was thankful that her sickness was gone and wanted to give back to Jesus by serving him and those who were with him. So then what do we learn from these three miracles about how we as believers are to come to Jesus? What our expectations should be? 
or how to respond to God working in our lives. How are we to come to the Lord in prayer? We are come to Him boldly. We can come to the Lord with our cares, concerns, our needs, and yes, even our wants, boldly and without fear, because we are His children. We are daughters of the King Most High. He loves us as our Abba Father, which means as our Daddy. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for us. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I know for some of us, that whole Abba Father is not the way that our earthly fathers have been, and may not be the way that our husbands are when we go to them and try to ask them for things. But break free from those thoughts when it comes to your heavenly Father and going to the Lord in prayer. He is different. He loves you so much that He gave His life for you, and He wants you to come to Him, and He wants you, He already knows your heart. So he wants you to just come and to pour out your heart to him. And he longs to show you that grace and mercy that he has for you. He is our Abba Father. However, we are also to come to him reverently, recognizing who God is, that he is the Lord, the King of Kings and Lord of Lord, a mighty sovereign God who rules over everything. When we come to him in prayer, we are to be mindful of this and not come flippantly with a grocery list of things that we think that we want or need. Just as we read in Hebrews, we are becoming before the throne of grace into God's holy presence. Therefore, we should come to him in a worshipful manner worthy of a king. A good way to help with this is when we come to the Lord in prayer to just start out with naming the names of God, that he is a mighty king and Lord of lords, our everlasting father, and that he is sovereign, that he loves us and that he wants to take care of us. And just thinking of those things of the Lord and his majestic ways and how much he cares for us, even though he is a mighty God, he still cares for each and every one of us and our individual needs. And then we are to come to him humbly, not prideful or demanding. In James 4, 6, it says, For this reason it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The very meaning of grace is to receive something that we don't deserve. We have not earned God's love. We do not deserve for him to answer our prayers, for him to work in our lives, our marriages, in our children's lives, or to bless us in any way. God does all of these wonderful things because of his love for us, because he wants to, not because he has to, or because you have earned it in some way, but because of his great love and compassion for you. As you come to the Father in prayer, humbly seek his will for your life and for those that you are praying for, and do this with faith believing that he hears us, that he loves us, and that he will answer our prayer. In 1 John 5, 14-15, it says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we have asked him. We may doubt at times, and that's okay because we can go to the Lord and ask him to help us with our faith, 
And when you go to him in prayer, believe that he is listening to you. Remember the compassion that Jesus had for these three outcasts. Remember that he loves you. He loves your children more than you can possibly imagine. And that he wants to work in your life, in the lives of your family, and for everyone that you are praying for. So then what should our expectation of these prayers be? Well, it's twofold. First, in being submissive to the Father's will. And second, in trusting that His will for us is perfect. When we pray, the answer that God gives us may not be exactly what we have asked for, and our circumstances may not turn out quite the way that we had planned or hoped for. But we can trust in the Father's love for us and that His will is perfect, and that even though we may not understand it, we may not know why things have happened the way that they have, but that God knows. God sees the future and what we can't see. And there is a purpose behind what it is that God has done. Even if we can't ever see it, we can trust in God's love for us and that there is a purpose behind it. This was never more real to me than when I prayed for my brother as he was battling cancer. I was certainly limited in what I could do for him and how I could help him. I had to leave the outcome of that battle to God because I couldn't fight it for him. I couldn't change the outcome. All I could do was give it to God and say, Lord, this is yours. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust in you in the fact that you love him, that you have his days planned the same way that you have my days planned. And that even though I would miss him terribly, for my brother to leave this world and to be in heaven with Jesus, that is joy for him. That is the best place for him to be. The Lord did take my brother home to be with him, and I now rest in the fact that he is safely in the Father's arms in joy and peace. So what should our response be? Well, as the woman got up immediately and served the Lord and those who were with him, we are to do the same and to do it with a heart of gratitude and service to the Lord, to give back with our time, our gifts, our talents, our finances, with an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness towards God, even when things don't go our way. As we serve others, we are serving Jesus. In Matthew 25, 34 through 40, we read, Then the king will say to those who are at his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you have done it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you have done it for me. So as we serve others out of a grateful heart for what God has done for us, we are serving Jesus as well. So I encourage you ladies today to be confident and bold as you come to the Lord in prayer and that you come to him reverently, recognizing who he is as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. 
that you come to him humbly, not prideful or demanding, but that you come to seek the will of your Father who is in heaven, and that you come with faith, believing that he hears you, that he loves you, and he wants to answer your prayer. That you come with an expectation of being submissive to the Father's will and trusting in that will for you, and that he has your days planned out perfectly, and that your response would be gratitude and thankfulness, that you would serve him with that kind of heart as you serve others who are around you, you are serving your heavenly father. Ladies, I hope that this blessed you today as much as it has blessed me and as a reminder of how I am to come to the Lord in prayer. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, Thank you again for listening today and know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.